Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Hi, I'm Joe Connolly with producer Neil A. Caruso with Jeff Rose the founder of Attitude New York Car and Limousine Service, to find out how he and some others in that industry have survived and where the car and limousine service industry goes from here. Jeff started out driving a yellow cab in 1984, and his business now provides car services for CEOs, Broadway performers, and network TV shows. Jeff, congratulations. How did you make it through COVID thus far? Uh, well, it, it was a bit of a struggle. In the beginning, we went from doing 60 to 90 jobs a day to six to nine jobs a week. Our business was off by about 98% for quite some time. And we're very different than what most people think about car services in the limousine industry. You have a lot of companies that are, shall we say, old school, where most car services, the drivers are independent operators and they own the car and they don't have a lot of uh, space demands for garaging and stuff. We have a full garage where we uh, store the cars. We pay all of our drivers as employees. We pay rent every month. So it's much more of a struggle than the local car services or the transportation network companies. And it was difficult. Uh, I, you know, I'm not sure what to say. In the beginning, we didn't know if we were going to even be allowed to keep functioning. And we were. And we were getting calls from folks from time to time. So, you know, it was just a leap of faith. The most important thing about it is, do we keep doing this? And in March of 2020, we thought about closing the doors. But, you know, we've got too many staffers here who have gotten us to where we are and just, just couldn't do that to my team. So we kept the key people on. We gave a bunch of drivers cars to take home, not a big bunch, but again, that's a difference between us and the car services. We own the cars, but in this case, we let drivers take uh, a few of our, our most trusted employees who had uh, places where they could safely park. And we had them take cars home so that we could uh, minimize the amount of contact they would have. Many of them didn't come to the office for weeks at a time. We loaded up on supplies. We got lots of uh, airline or I should say aircraft grade uh, disinfectant cleaner that wouldn't uh, damage the uh, leather in the car and the other materials. We installed a big hoopty doopty reverse ionization air filtration system in the office. You know, we put up the usual plastic barriers. Everybody wore gloves. 
Um, and, and we kept some of our key staffers on and basically uh, we drained the piggy bank for a while and, you know, made our applications for PPP money. But the, I think the biggest issue was faith. You know, once we made the decision that we were going to hang in there, we did everything we could to save money. Uh, but at the same time, we wanted to keep our key staff on board. And I guess uh, keeping the team together was the hardest part. And um, the thing that I think served us the best, because we're hearing stories from other companies that are struggling because they can't get their staff back. We went out on a big limb, kept most of the key staff together and, you know, started gradually hiring back. And I would say that in September of this year, things really turned the corner to the point where demand was outstripping supply, which I guess is a common problem that folks are having. I can't imagine how difficult it must have been emotionally and mentally to be doing all this, Jeff, when the phone was ringing six times a week. How did you, did you, did you, you say you ran the piggy bank down, but I, I understand some car services merged with others to survive. Well, you know, they're called mergers. Oftentimes in these situations, it's a case where somebody says, look, I'll, I'll take on your debt and your obligations and, you know, I'll get your sales list. There's no doubt that demand has decreased significantly but I would say that supply has decreased even more significantly. And I would say that the choices that people are make are, are changing. You know, we have a very multi-level uh, transport, chauffeur transportation system. Most uh, towns you'll have cabs and you'll have maybe what they call limousines. And I, I hate that word because it conjures images of big stretches and proms and nightclubs. And, and that's really not what it's about anymore. Uh, it's really about a high level of duty of care, of reliability, of safety. A lot of folks who in the past could afford us would say, yeah, I'll take an Uber. Now they're not nearly so sanguine about getting in a car that sees 20 passengers a day with a driver that sees 100 passengers a week. So a lot of, uh, a lot of those things are changing. I got to give a heads up to Lorne Michaels, who basically you know, keeps the city's uh, broadcast entertainment alive. We do quite a bit of work for the late night talk shows. And, you know, Lorne Michaels, after 9-11, after Sandy, um, you know, this guy flies under the radar outside the entertainment industry. But uh, The Tonight Show and, you know, all the, you know Colbert and, you know, the, all those shows getting back on the air were huge, not just for the work that they did, but because then... Now that they're broadcasting live, it forces people who have projects to remote to come to the studio. And while they're in New York, they do other things. So, you know, entertainment is something that has a huge multiplier effect on the transportation industry in New York. Um, so props to all those people who got entertainment back on the air and helped revive the city's economy. That's nice. Before Neil asked a couple of questions, um, I want to ask about... I read that you made a very big hire uh, in your industry in November of 2020 when we were still early in this thing. How did you do that? And what was that about? Well, this is somebody we had been in contact with for some time. Uh, a lot of folks are doing the network thing in my industry. Uh, it seems like uh, every limo company now has either global or network or even the word worldwide right in the title of the company. 
And this is somebody we have had quite a bit of contact with. He's from outside the industry. He was our sales rep uh, where we got some of our vehicles. So he knew the industry. He knows the players. And, you know, it's kind of like golf. Uh, You can lay up or you can go for the green. But whatever you do, you've got to commit to it. You can't go halfway. And once we decided that we were in it to stay and in it for the long haul, we started planning our future. Didn't think it would take quite as long as it did for us to get back where we are now. And and we're still struggling. Uh, It's hard to buy cars. It's hard to hire staff. We are committed to growing this company. We feel that for those that have survived, uh, it's going to be very Darwinian. Uh, Some of the uh, not so strong operators are going to be out of it. But as I said, I think more capacity was lost than demand. And when that demand comes back, I think it's going to be a very healthy situation as folks are much more interested in having uh, cleaner cars, uh, more reliable. Uh, You know, we're hearing horror stories about folks booking cars with some of the TNCs and then they get a call 10 minutes before. Sorry, we can't cover it. You know, it's it's well, you made some very you, you you made some very nervy, high stakes moves it's uh, good for you to come through this. Neil. So, Jeff, I noticed you're also the president of the Limo Association of New York. You're on the board of the uh, National Limousine Association. Why does that um, engagement matter for your business? Because I, I imagine it does take a lot of time uh, to sit on those boards. Uh, it does. You know, I was always raised to believe that you have to give back to the community. I, I remember my father during one rough stretch, uh, he was always very involved in his synagogue and UJA. And I talked to him about the idea that in rough times, you kind of have to cut back on your philanthropy. And he said, no, just the opposite. Um, you know, as long as we've got a roof and we've got food, there are people who are much worse off. Tough times are when you have to up your involvement and up your philanthropy. This is not so much philanthropy, but I've been very fortunate. And I'm also of the philosophy that Good operators don't put other good operators out of business. Good operators put bad operators out of business. So I've always been very open to getting new people involved in this industry. Uh, Driving is the number one job in the country, not necessarily uh, limousines or car service, but if you include truck drivers, deliveries, um, FedEx, uh, so on and so forth. You know, this is a job that doesn't require a high school diploma. It doesn't require a college degree. English can be your second language. Uh, This is an important industry for moving people around and for the jobs that it creates. So that's that's one of the things I do to give back. So, Jeff, talking about moving people around, uh, you know, airlines having a lot of struggles right now because of COVID. Um, Was that a big uh, part of your business? And how has that changed now with uh, airline travel uh, being down? Well, we're getting a lot more long distance jobs. Early on in the pandemic, we actually did quite a few jobs going from New York City to Montreal and to Toronto. Uh, Passport offices were closed and there were films that were starting to shoot up there, but you couldn't fly in without a valid passport. You could get in, though, over the border if you had working papers. So we got lots of calls from studios who were shooting movies up there to drive actors up to Montreal and Canada. We even had one case where we drove all the way from New York up to Plattsburgh. Somebody flew in on a jet and then we just drove them across the border. 
we we had a secret weapon and that we had a chauffeur with dual citizenship. He held a Canadian passport. So we kind of became the go-to operator for all these companies that had to get actors up to uh, Montreal and Toronto to get to film sets. Um, that was actually a big job for us. But for instance, we had somebody just yesterday, they were going up to Boston and they said, you know what, it's going to be an hour and a half to get to the airport. And then I got to wait an hour at the airport. And you know what, I'm just going to take a car. Deals with many fewer people. Now, uh, Florida might be tough. We've driven folks to Florida in the past. I think we, I think Montreal and, and Toronto, oh no, we, we had somebody going to Ohio uh, for Father's Day. We actually had to send two cars out there because they wanted to leave as soon as Father's Day dinner was over to be back in New York Monday morning. So we had to send a driver out to Ohio on Friday so that he had a day to rest. Then this uh, person drove out to Ohio Sunday morning. Then the driver who took her out, he went to the hotel to go to sleep. And the driver who had been waiting picked her up at 8 o'clock at night in Ohio and got her back to New York in time to make morning meetings. So, yeah, things are changing a bit. Boy, the stories you could tell, but I know that you wouldn't because of the confidentiality with your clients. But in hearing you talk about some of these jobs you get, Jeff, what advice do you have to business owners to getting premium, high-paying clients, whatever business they're in? It sounds like you just have a dream client list. Give us a little Um, insight into that. Well, you know, I just that, that's that's how I started. I you know would love to drop names, but can't. Um, you know, I I don't know the answer to that question. There's really, you know, people have said to you to me, "What's your secret sauce? How do you get the prices you get?" And you know, our prices aren't that much higher than other companies, if at all. You know, we do something that's pretty stupid from a marketing point of view. You know, a lot of companies will quote one rate and then when the invoice comes, it looks like a phone bill because there's a fuel surcharge. There's an admin fee or administrative fee. There's a surface transportation fee. And um, we don't do that sort of thing. It's I don't know what to say other than we don't cut corners. I'm not about maximum dollar. Just about every person in business says, what can I do to maximize net revenue? And we kind of look at it the other way. We do what it takes to run a premium service. We charge what it takes to make a living doing that. And I, you know, it's, it's kind of like McDonald's and Peter Luger. Um, right. McDonald's makes a heck of a lot more money than Peter Luger. They could buy him a thousand times over, but we're Peter Luger. That's what I was just thinking. It's like the inverse of the story about cutting prices to making it up on volume. But the key phrase in what you said there was that we're high end, but not that much higher still than the competitors. So you're making it up on volume on the high end. Oh, you know, I don't know about that. I mean, we're not doing as much volume. I think there's a point at which, you know, we we can't do it quite the same way. We feel there's value added. We have a saying here that the lowest price is not necessarily the lowest cost. And that has to do with our costs, because as I mentioned, we don't do some of those specious fees. But there's also the idea, you know, it's amazing. Uh, Film studios will do publicity junkets to promote films in New York. 
and they're going to fly a bunch of people in first class or they're going to pay for the jet and they're going to put them up at the Four Seasons or the Mandarin Oriental and they're going to have an event at Cipriani and they're going to rent out several theaters. So the cost for these events can run into the hundreds of thousands of dollars. And then they say, you know what? Let's save a couple of hundred bucks on the car, which, <laughs> you know, if, if, if people don't get where they need to go on time, all that other money is wasted. The analogy I make, it's kind of like buying a $300,000 Ferrari and saying, you know, we could save 600 bucks if we put cheap tires on the car. It's a tiny fraction of the total cost. And it's the thing that might do the most to impact the performance of the car. So, you know, some people have figured this out. There's no point in spending $300,000 on an event and saving $1,000 on the cars and everybody's late and they're frustrated and they went to the wrong place. So at the intersection of cost and quality is where you find value. And a lot of folks now think that we are the best value because as they say in the film business, the money that you spend with us, it's all up on the screen. Neil, one more. Sure. Thanks, Joe. Um, Jeff, let me ask you about the rising costs. Um, this move to electric vehicles. How is that going to impact uh, your industry overall? And will customers have to pay higher prices as a result? That is a great question because everybody's pushing for it. But here's the problem. There's no charging infrastructure. Right now, we have four uh, BMW plug-in hybrids in the fleet. Um, but what I can tell you is, and, and folks seem to forget, even electric cars need electricity. And how do we get that? We burn natural gas. We burn coal. We burn petroleum or nuclear power. But we don't have the infrastructure. If you converted just 10% of the current cars in this country that run on gasoline or diesel to electric power, the, the, the power grid can't handle it. You don't have the generation power and you don't have the transmission infrastructure. So this is something, you know, on the board, I speak to the folks at GM and uh, Ford, Lincoln, Mercury. Well, I guess there's no more Mercury quite a bit. And they've said it's going to be a big problem in the Northeast. Uh, electric cars are going to come on much more quickly in the South and much more slowly in the Northeast. And I asked about it. I said, is that about climate? They said, no, it's about in congested cities they don't have places to put charging stations. So even if you had the charging stations, you don't have the power generation nor the transmission infrastructure ready to support a significant number of vehicles going electric. So when people talk about forcing the car makers to make these green cars, good luck on getting them charged up. We're really putting the, forgive me, the cart before the horse, if you will, because right now the country doesn't have sufficient infrastructure to maintain vast numbers or, or higher proportions of electric vehicles, whether they be civilian or in the transportation industry. Interesting. What are some of the changes that you see in the use of the car and limousine service? Do you see new markets developing for you, Jeff? Absolutely. One of the big things that we've talked about is we're becoming something like net jets for cars. Not everybody is familiar with the fractional ownership model where, um, you know, if I fly 50 days a year, you know, three, and I own a plane 300 days a year, my plane is sitting fallow. There's also quite a bit of uh, maintenance to do, not just mechanical, but uh, regulatory paperwork, uh, filing, uh, you know, the FD, F, uh, transportation safety, et cetera, et cetera. So a lot of folks, 
turn to this NetJets model or fractional ownership or leasing. And they say, you know, I don't really need to own a plane. I can buy a fraction of a plane or I can I can charter. Well, we're seeing a lot of that now. Folks who used to spend 200 days a year in New York now are spending 50 days a year in New York. Or folks who would come into the office from their suburban home five days a week now are coming in two days a week. So a lot of folks who used to think in terms of a private chauffeur are using us instead, either because they realize they don't need a full-time chauffeur or because they have been using lesser car services. And, and again, I don't mean to diminish when I say lesser, this is just a lower level. You know, you don't get the same level of service at McDonald's that you, that you do at the Palm, as we discussed before. But I still love their fries. I love the convenience of being able to walk in. I love the prices. But sometimes you want the cowboy ribeye and you want a cocktail and then you go to a real steak joint. Well, the similarity in the auto industry or the transportation industry is you have folks who in the past would hop in a cab, would hop in an Uber. And if they have money nowadays, they're saying, you know what? Maybe I'm going to call, you know, for a chauffeur instead. I, like I said, I hate that word, limo. Um, so we're seeing a lot more folks who used to not even think in terms of a private chauffeur moving up. And we're seeing a lot of folks who used to employ a private chauffeur no longer have the same full-time uh, long-term needs. So we're getting a little bit of upscale seeking from folks who didn't use us all that much. And we're also seeing a lot of folks who used to have a full-time chauffeur. Now we're going with that net jets for cars model, if you will. I've also heard that a lot of Uber and Lyft drivers have not come back. And a lot of yellow cab drivers have not come back. A yellow cab driver told me, actually, it's pretty good for us right now because there are there's less competition wherever we look. And they say they have some pretty good days now in the yellow cab. Jeff Rose of Attitude, New York, clearly not his first day on the job. Congratulations on all that you've done and your involvement in the Trade Association and for offering these insights to us today, Jeff. Thanks a lot. Thank you, Joe, and thank you, Neil. Take care and stay safe out there. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.